0: Okay, everybody say it like you mean it this time. Everybody say it's good to be in church. Amen. It's great to serve the Lord. I just want to say uh, Happy Mother's Day to all the moms. We honor you for who you are. You are uh, ranked right up there with firemen and police officers and armed forces. You are the real heroes of the faith. I want to say a special Happy Mother's Day to my mom. She's got a heart as big as Texas. She's the most compassionate woman I know. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. I love you. You're wonderful for putting up with me still. And uh, I just want to honor you guys and honor the, the ladies of the house. You know, it's a, you know, it, I don't, I, I, being a mother, I, I don't know what that's like. I'll never know what that's like. But I know there's an innate thing on the inside of moms that makes them special, it makes them compassionate. Uh, sometimes it makes them suckers because you can go to them instead of dad and they'll give in to you like I used to do when I was younger. But there's a compassion, there's a grace there, there's a strength there for their family. And it's different from what a man has and and what's inside of a man and how God designed us. He designed men and women completely differently. I'm sure if you're married, you can say amen to that. But there's a special thing inside of mom's And it's designed by God and it's given from God and it's just a great grace. So we honor our moms today and I just wanted to say happy Mother's Day to them. I hope it's a wonderful day. I hope you just have a supernaturally blessed day today and that everything that you've ever wanted, everything you've ever imagined that would just be yours, that God would fulfill all the desires of your heart as long as you are committing yourself to him because it's really about being a godly mother, amen? Amen, all the mothers said amen. Amen. I want to ask you to continue to, like um, Josh said earlier, Pastor Sam is not here this morning. Um, he is in San Antonio. I want to ask you to continue to pray for uh, the Bell family in San Antonio and Destiny Church. They are dear friends of ours. They are almost like a sister church. You may maybe never heard that name before, but Dave has led worship, and his team has led worship on this stage many a times and in the old sanctuary. Dave was a huge, he was a he was a great friend of mine and a great mentor. He taught me all about worship. And if I could sum his life up in three words, it would be he was a true worshiper. He was an absolute man of integrity, an absolute, the standard model of a man of great, great integrity. And he was a encourager of people. He brought out and drew out the potential in people like probably nobody else that, that I've ever known. He... He was going to get everything, every bit of potential out of you. That's how he was. And he was, he was all about people. He was all about investing in other people. He was never about himself. It just exuded from him. And he was passionate about other people and finding their gifts and finding their talents and using that and bringing that out of them to build the kingdom of God. So, uh, in fact, I want to do something special. I want to pray for them this morning. This is Destiny Churches first Sunday without without uh, Pastor Dave Bell, so we're going to pray for them this morning. We're going to stop right now and, and just honor the life of David Bell and, and Pastor Dave Bell, and we're going to honor that church by praying for them. In fact, if you feel comfortable, I want you to do something a little different this morning. I want you to turn around, and I want you to stretch your hands to the west because they're in San Antonio, and I believe that supernaturally God is going to bless that church this morning. Pastor Sam is speaking there, and we're just going to pray that God would continue to add them with grace grace and wisdom and strength right now. So West is west is that way, right? So we're going to turn around if you feel comfortable. Turn around this morning. You can stand if you want to. It's completely up to you. And let's bless our sister church this morning. Father, Lord, we bless. Lord, Destiny Church in the name of Jesus right now, we declare blessing. Lord, we declare honor. We declare grace on their behalf, Lord. We thank you that their church has arisen, Lord, to the call that you have for that ministry, God, we thank you that this is not a tragedy, Lord, because we know that you have a plan, that your ways are not our ways and your thoughts are not our thoughts. And Lord, that you have not lost control, God. We thank you that you are still seated, Lord, on the throne right now and that you still have a great plan for Destiny Church. And we thank you that you are blessing them right now, Lord Jesus. Lord, that people have a supernatural strength. Lord, that they are blessed with a supernatural grace. Lord, that they are feeling it all the way from Beaumont, Texas, all the way from heaven. Heaven, Lord, that is being transferred from us right now in the name of Jesus. So I pray that you would continue to bless that church. Lord, we speak progress into that church. Lord, we do not, we rebuke any plan of the enemy. We rebuke any attack of division on that church. And Lord, we speak blessing. We speak progress into that church body in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, that what the devil meant for evil, you are gonna turn it around for good. And Lord, that we will see, when we see the whole picture, Lord, that we will be able to give you glory. So we celebrate the life of Pastor Dave Bell. Lord, we honor him and we thank you for the investment he made in so many people's lives around the world. And we thank you that his legacy, Lord, that his life will live on through Destiny Church, through every single person that he has touched directly and indirectly. Lord, we give you praise. We give you all the glory because you are in control. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Let's just give a hand for Jesus this morning. Amen. You can be seated. Amen. Hallelujah. It's great to be here this morning. If you got your Bibles and uh, you want to follow along with me, we're going to be in the book of Mark this morning. going to be taking a look at the, at the book of Mark. It's in the New Testament. Thank you, Kelly. You sound beautiful this morning. Thanks for playing. The worship team is, is wonderful and just continuing to bless us with praise and worship. And we're just very, very grateful for them. Matthew, Mark, second book in the New Testament, one of the Gospels where it tells the life of Jesus. Mark is kind of the short, uh, dramatic version of the life of Jesus. There's not a lot of detail there as much as the other ones, as maybe as much as Luke, but Mark is, is the shorter version. And what I want to talk to you about this morning, and that I was inspired by and that God's been speaking to me uh, for a while, and I've shared this with some of our leaders here in the church and But I, I haven't shared it you know, in a message or a sermon per se, but I've shared it with some of, it, encouraged, uh, our, some of our leaders with this message. And it's called writing your story. Writing your story. You know, you may not realize it right now, but you are writing a story for your life. That's what you're doing. Every decision that you make, every choice that you make, you are writing a story that other people will tell long after you're gone. You are writing the story that people will tell not only just at your funeral and not only just at your graveside, but long after you're gone. That your legacy, whether you left a good one, whether you didn't leave a good one, your story will be told. And here's the thing is that most people most people don't just say, I want to live life, I want to exist in life, and I, I just want to be forgotten after I'm gone. I don't want anybody to ever talk about me. I don't want anybody to say that I did any good. I don't want to, you know, I I don't want to see any investment in other people. I just want to be forgotten. Most people don't say that. If you do say that, then we'll just have a special prayer service for you after service because you have got to live for something greater. So, but people are going to tell a story long after we're gone. And, you know, we, we speakers, guys like me, we, we can tell stories and, and, and I can, I can tell stories right now. That, that would absolutely make you cry, that would inspire you. I could put on, uh, you know, the chariots of fire music, bum, 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 and just tell you incredible stories that would encourage you and motivate you. And, and it would just, it would, it would move you if you had a heart, okay? It would move you. Emotionally, it would grab you. And we all listen to stories about great people that are doing great things around the world that that face insurmountable odds, and and they achieve the impossible, and they touch thousands upon hundreds of thousands, even millions of people. And we use these stories as inspirational. We watch movies that are inspirational, and, and something begins to happen to you on the inside. Something begins to move on you And move through you on the inside, where you go. I want to do something great with my life. I don't want to just exist. I want to do something great. I I want. I want to be remembered. I want people at my funeral, at my gravesite, long after I'm gone. I want them to talk about me and say, "Man, that guy. Man, what a story." What a hero of the faith. And we listen to these stories, and they impact us, and they, and they move us, and it causes us to be emotionally. And we leave church, or we leave the movie theater, and, and we're just in awe, and we're so inspired, and, and we just think, I've got to do something great. I've got to start a, I've got to start a ministry. I've got to go to a, a, a homeless shelter and help out. I've got to, I've got to do, do something for writing my story you know we 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 hear about guys like martin luther king and abraham lincoln and george washington and and smith wigglesworth and in the christian realm and 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 heroes absolute heroes of the faith and we hear about their stories of insurmountable odds and and what they achieved and how these guys get this actually changed the course of history martin luther king absolutely changed history. You know, and and, and here's the thing that that most of us don't understand, is that your greatest impact won't be made until long after you're gone. You've got to, you've got to see that, you've got to get that. Your greatest impact won't be made until long after you're gone. Dave Bell's impact, his greatest moment, his great impact won't be produced until long after After he's gone, years from now, we're continuing where people are stepping up to take his place. And they're arising and saying, this is what I want to be. This is the story that Dave Bell, that that, that he lived for me. And I want to live after that. And so people begin to step up and they begin to operate on the gifts and the talents that he brought out of them. And next thing you know, you've got an army because of something that he started. So his greatest impact, just like your greatest impact, won't be made until long after you're gone. Martin Luther King had no idea. Martin Luther King had no idea that when he was preparing a speech, the, the iconic, I have a dream speech. He had no idea that when he was preparing that speech, the mark that would be made, the story that would be told, the impact that history would have when he was preparing that speech, he had no idea that it would absolutely affect history. Abraham Lincoln When he was going to make the Gettysburg Address, and he wasn't even supposed to be the main speaker that day, he was the secondary speaker, but he's preparing and he's going there on the train and he's writing out his speech, which is known as the Gettysburg Address. He had no idea when he was writing that speech out that it was going to change the course of time, that it was going to change the course of history. But we hear about things like this, and it inspires us, it moves us, It causes us to want to be greater, to do something beyond ourselves. It's silly, but I I think, well, my favorite movie, and I'm I'm not promoting movies up here in the pulpit, but my favorite movie, most of you guys know, is Braveheart, by far. I mean, it is so absolutely inspirational about a man that just changed the country, the country of Scotland and fighting for freedom because they were slaves to England and being mistreated, and he leads this army of nobodies to be able to invade England, to be able to defeat England, and to be able to win their freedom, this guy named William Wallace. I mean, you watch this movie. I, I, I watched this movie, I, I don't know how long ago, uh, 10 years ago, but I, I've, I've, se- I've seriously seen this movie like 67 times. And I just rewinded, like, the speeches that he would give and the, and the battles and the armies. I mean, it, it, it became such a problem in my life. Watching this movie, literally, where I thought about, I, I want to be William Wallace. I'm going to go steal a horse. I'm going to paint half my face blue. I'm going to buy a sword at your local pawn shop. And I'm going to go invade the town of Lumberton. And I, I think I can remember standing in the mirror and painting half of my face... Blue, standing in front of the mirror and go, I could be William Wallace. <laughs> because it was so inspiring. It was so moving. And every, every time the credits would roll after I would get through, I, I, would, I would be like, i got to do something with my life. i got to stop eating Twinkies and get off the couch and do something productive with my life. I've got to go lead an army or start a ministry or do something great or travel the world and pray for the sick. It just, it just moved me. It just moved me. Where, when I was long gone, I wanted people to be able to tell a great story about me, because I realized that I am writing the story that other people will tell about me long after I'm gone, and that today, that you realize that you are writing a story. You are writing a story that other people will tell about you when you're gone. The question is: Is what is your story going to say? What is your story going to say? Is your story, when people tell your story, is your story going to tell, yeah, it's a, a good guy, good person, but kind of really all about themselves? Kind of really all about success and really nobody else, and kind of pushed everybody to the back and never really took anybody with him? Is your story going to tell that, yeah, great, great person, great lady, but just really difficult to deal and deal with and there just wasn't a lot of love there and for some reason the, the love of God just didn't invade her life and just not a very loving person, not a very giving person or is your story going to tell something like this what a legacy what a man of God what a woman of God I want to be just like him. I want to be just like her. What is your story going to read? What is your story going to tell? Let's look at Mark. Jesus talks about this. Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. When you're there, say, I got it. If you got your Bibles this morning, say, I got it. If you don't have your Bible, say, I'm sorry. Just kidding. Don't do that. Mark chapter 10 We're going to start at verse 35 I'm telling you, the Bible talks about things like this You've got to read your Bible It is just absolutely incredible It is life-changing It is the only book that tells the future with 100% accuracy you, you, The Bible has the answer for every question you will ever have in life It is amazing You've got to read your Bible Mark chapter 10, verse 35 it says this, then James and John, this is a couple of the disciples, the sons of Zebedee came to him, teacher, they're talking to Jesus, he's the ultimate teacher. They said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Verse 36, what do you want me to do for you, Jesus said. They replied, let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your glory. Verse 38, you do not know what you are asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with a baptism I am baptized with? Verse 39, we can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with a baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. Verse 31, when the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that these who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Verse 43, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you, catch this, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all. Verse 45, last verse. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. I want to read verse 45 again. For even the Son of Man, talking about Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. So get this, the disciples are all hanging out and these guys constantly, I mean, they just absolutely constantly got it wrong. But man, they really came out just victorious and they did a lot of things right. But in the beginning when Jesus was helping them, they got a lot of things wrong. So James and John, they come up to Jesus and they feel like they can ask him something and he'll grant it because he loves them and he's their teacher. And so James and John, they come up to Jesus and say, Jesus, we got a question for you we got a question. We've been following you for a while now. We've been doing some things right. Man, we're your disciples. You picked, you know, 12 out of thousands upon thousands. We're part of the 12. we got a question for you. We want to know if when we're in heaven, if we can sit on your right and your left. And that would be a place of honor. That would be a place of position. That would be like, hey, there's God and Jesus and then James and John and we're just the best. Out of every, all the other people and all, all the other 12, we are in the places of honor right next to Jesus Himself. We are the best. Can we sit on your right and left? We're seeking honor, we're seeking power, we're seeking position. And Jesus says, You guys don't even know what you're asking for. Spiritually, you have no idea how heaven, basically what he's saying is you have no idea how heaven is going to operate and what's, what heaven is look like. I have the perspective of heaven. You don't, you don't even know what you're asking for when it comes to the throne and who's lined up on the throne. You don't even know what you're asking for. But then he goes up because he knew their hearts. And that's what Jesus does in the Bible. It's so great. He changes things up because he knows people's hearts and he knows what they're dealing with. And so he starts to speak to them about the issue that's in their heart. And so Jesus begins to speak to James and John. And he's saying, I know that this is what you're seeking. You're seeking honor. You're seeking position. You're seeking power. You're seeking success. You're seeking yourself. So Jesus says, he starts to teach them about this message that the last will be the greatest. And that if you want to be great, then become a servant. And if you want to be great, then you must be the slave to all, literally the slave to all. And then he says, even me. He said, even me, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, did not come to be served. If there was ever a man that walked on planet earth that was allowed to be served, it would have been Jesus Christ. But even Jesus said, look, even me, I didn't come to be served. But I came to serve. And I came to give my life a ransom for many. And if there is anybody that deserves to be served, it is me. If there is anybody that deserves honor and respect and success, it is Jesus. But he says, even me, that's not what I came for. He said, I am going to set the standard. I am going to set the model of character. I am going to set the model of service. I'm going to set the model for greatness. And that when people tell your story, that they would say that you lived a life not to be served but to serve. That you lived a life of investing in other people. He said, you know the Gentiles and all these religious leaders, they have their authority, and he said they lord it over everybody else because they love to be in charge. But he says, you know what the model of character is? You want to know what the model of greatness is? You want to know how to be great? You want to know how to have someone tell a great story about you? He says, you lower yourself, and you become a servant. You become a servant to mankind. You realize it's not about me. It's not about me. Jesus had this great understanding that when he came to this planet, he lived a life that said, it's not about me. It's about the people around me. It's about me taking on the very nature of a servant. And it's about investing in the people around you. It's not about you. So here's what I got from that. Here's the one thing that that just lit up about writing our story. And that when people tell my story, when people tell your story, that this is what I hope comes to mind. This is what I got from that passage is this. Life is not about God being a part of our story. It is about us being a part of his Life is not about God being a part of our story. It is about us being a part of His. You see, so many times it is so easy for us to get caught up in, Lord, bless me, bless me, bless me, feed me, feed me, feed me, heal me, heal me, heal me, heal me. And you know what? And we, 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 You know, it is good to go for God and pray for blessings and pray for favor. And, and pray that you would just be so blessed. And that is my prayer for you this morning, that you would be, I pray that you would be blessed with great health, that you would be blessed with great finances, that you would be blessed with a great family, that you would be blessed going in and coming out because that's what God has for you. But you know what he's really designed? He's designed for the blessing that he's given to you to be a blessing to someone else. See how that works? God is designed for you to live a good life And to live life abundantly. Jesus Christ said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. But he's given you abundant life so that you can go and pour into someone else. So that you can go and spread some more life abundantly. That he's blessed you with resources. He's blessed you with time. He's blessed you with great health. He's blessed you with great money. Why? So you can go and use those resources to make a difference in the world around you. Because it's not about what God did for me. And he does some great things for us. But it is in the middle of us understanding. It is in the middle of the perspective that is about me being a part of his story. It is not with the perspective of what can God do for me. But God blesses us. But it's all in this perimeter. It's all with this perspective of us being a part of his story. Us being a part of his plan. You know, th- th- this past weekend I was in San Antonio celebrating the life of Pastor Dave Bell. And that is the life that he lived. That everything that he had was used to be a blessing to someone else. That, that there were pastors that would say whenever he bought something for himself that he would enjoy... Because it's good for us to have things that we enjoy. That's okay. The blessings of God are a good thing as long as we use them to bless other people. To be a part of his story. It, it, so many people said that, that he knew that when he was buying those things that he enjoyed. Like he, he loved cars. He loved uh, nice cars and fast cars. And that he knew that when he was buying these things that he would enjoy himself. He was only going to turn around and use them for the church. Sure, take it, borrow this vehicle, take this, take my instruments, take all all my possessions, just use them. He knew that he was really buying that, not only just because he liked them, but because he was going to be a blessing to someone else with what had been given to him. Because he modeled a life. He modeled a life of, it's not about what God can do for my story. It's about what I'm able to offer to be a part of his story. I remember riding with him, and, and I remember riding with him, and, and uh, we were coming back from a men's retreat, and uh, we were going to get some deed. It was just me and him. and he's a worship, he was a worship leader and a pastor, and many times he did both on a Sunday morning, which is just probably uh, I, I don't know, because I don't sing. so it's probably taxing and, and exhausting to do all that and then speak, but it's just it was his life. it's what he did. He was a servant. And he used his giftings, and, and, you know, we were talking about the next Sunday morning I was going to be at their church. And he said, I'm going to lead worship. I said, what do you got to do for in the morning Are you speaking? He said, actually, I'm leading worship and speaking in the morning. I go, wow, man, you're going to double duty? I'm sure that's exhausting. You, you, don't, you, don't, you, you got plenty of worship leaders. Why don't you, why don't you get them to lead worship? Just relax and just speak and take it easy and just love on people. I can say, you're going to lead worship and speak all in the same day? And he looked at me, so sincere, looked at me right in the eyes, and he says, Ryan, I'm just a doormat for Jesus. I'm just a doormat for Jesus. I don't care about everything it takes from me. I don't care about how tired I get. I'm not thinking about myself. All I'm thinking about is how can I be a part? How can I be a part of God's story? How can I be a part of what He wants to do through me? Because life is not about God being a part of our story. It's about us being a part of His And you know, guys, it is so easy for us to get caught up into just living for ourselves. It is so easy for you to get caught up in just living for yourself. But here's the thing. Living for yourself is way too small of a thing for you to live for. Living for your life just for yourself is way too small of a thing for you to live for. Because it's about other people. It's about investing in others. Let me give you a scripture. Philippians 2.7 says this. Talking about Jesus. Paul's writing the Philippians. And he's, he's telling them. He's saying that you've got to take on the nature of Jesus. That you've got to take on the model and the character of Jesus. And everything that he modeled. Philippians 2.7 says this. That he made himself nothing. Talking about Jesus. Taking on the very nature of of a servant. says that he made himself nothing. That even though he was everything, even though he was the Messiah, even though he was the Savior, even though he was the King of Kings, he was the Lord of Lords, he was the Son of God, he was also Son of Man, but he was the Son of God. He was the one that we worshiped, he was the one that we were waiting on. He was life and breath to them. He was life and breath to us. But even though he was all of those things, he was the great healer. Even though he was all, all those things that said that he made himself nothing. Taking on the very nature of a servant. He made himself nothing by dying for a generation. By dying for a world that didn't really deserve it. That he made himself nothing, even though he was great, even though he was the Son of God, that he made himself nothing by taking on the sin of the world. That he became the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of this world. That even though we didn't deserve it, That even though we didn't deserve the grace of God and the love of God because we had blown it and we were not modeling his character, even though we didn't deserve that kind of him taking on nothing, it said that he made himself nothing, that he lowered himself taking on the very nature of a servant and that he gave his life for the sake of you and me. By the grace of God, by the love of God, by the goodness of God, that God was so great to us that he gave up not his extra son, but his one and only son so that we would have a relationship with him. You know why? Because God is interested in people. Because God is a believer in people. Because God loves people. And that we were created and that we were designed to model after the life of Jesus, to make ourselves nothing yeah. and become a servant to mankind. But here, here's, here's, here's what's interesting. Here's what happens. We begin to serve the Lord and, and man, we get, begin to read our Bible and we begin to pray and, you know, we come to church and we sing all the songs and it's wonderful and it's great and we have such a good time together. But there are, times in our li- there are times in our life where things become difficult. The storms of life come in our life and, and, and things just become absolutely difficult. They become absolutely tough. You know what we want to do? We want to have the wrong perspective. And we begin to have a mentality because God is not giving me what I want. Or he is not blessing me with a way that I should th- see things going. That I want to throw in the towel and I want to give up. That our perspective of God and our perspective of making a difference in life has changed because we're not getting what we want out of this. Because we have to understand that sometimes serving the Lord is going to cost you more than it serves you. Sometimes serving Jesus is going to cost you more than it serves you. Because we are living for something greater than ourselves. And that we have to understand that when life doesn't work out and when things get difficult and things get tough, that, you know what, it's not about me. It's thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That it's not my kingdom come, that God is not building you a kingdom. He's making you into a king, but he's not building you a kingdom. God is interested in his kingdom coming and his will being done. It is only when we put others first. It is only when... It is only when, when we seek the kingdom of God first, is what Matthew teaches us, then all those things are added to us. You know how you get the blessings of God? You know how you walk in the favor of God? You know how you walk in the promise of God and you're blessed coming in and going out? Seek the kingdom first. Build other people up first. Lift people above yourself. Promote other people above yourself. And then those things will be added unto you. But as long as you're promoting yourself above everyone around you, and you're not preferring other people first, the blessings of God are never going to chase you down. Because Paul says, you need to consider each other better than yourself. It's what my friend, Dave Bell, he was always considering other people better than himself, What can I get out of this person? What are they good at? What are their gifts? What are their talents? I'm going to draw it out of them so that they can build the kingdom of God. It's preferring other people because it's about of God being a part of our story, not him being a part of ours. It's about us being a part of his story. But it's so easy for us to want to quit, us to want to give up, because we're not getting what we want. You know, I think about I I, I think about the uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego about to walk through the fiery furnace. I don't have time to go into it. But because they would not bow down and serve any other God except the living God. I think about a mentality, I think about a a mentality like this. These are the things that these are the stories that keep me going. That these guys are about to walk through a fiery furnace that that, that this, this fire was so hot. That it said when, 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 when they were, the guards, when they would get close to it, they would catch on fire. That's how hot it was, just getting near it. They, they have this mentality right before they're thrown in the fiery furnace. They say this to the king. They say, our God is able to save us. Our God is in control and he is more than capable and able to save us. But if he doesn't, we're still going to serve him. If he doesn't give us what we want, what we desire, because I, I, I'm sure they were thinking, we don't, want, we don't desire to be burned up. We don't desire to die, but even if he doesn't save us, we will not worship anything else or any other God but him. Are you willing to live a life to say, are you absolutely willing to live a life to say, God, I don't care if you're not a part of my story. All I want to live All I want to do is be a part of your story. I don't care if I don't get anything I want. I don't care if blessings don't chase me down. I don't care if it seems impossible. I don't care if it costs me more than it serves me. Are you willing to live a life that says, I just want to be a part of your story and what you want to do through me? I'll close with this. I uh, I was at a, a pastor's retreat not too long ago, and about a year ago, something like that. And you know, pastors' retreat. It was actually not. It was a. It was a, called a Next Generations Retreat, where uh, uh, younger pastors get with older pastors and and uh, seasoned pastors and we just discuss the next generation where the church is headed and and things like that and and you know uh, when you get around pastors or you get around communicators or speakers everybody's got a lot to say you never run out of words you never have those quiet dead moments where it's like uh, well what, what, what are you guys thinking nobody speaks up and says anything pastors always have something to say men usually always have something to say so it can become a dangerous thing Almost a dangerous thing when you get 30 pastors around a table with the young and with the old and you get a bunch of speakers and a bunch of communicators together and it's, uh, well, what do you you see for the church? Hands go up all across the room. And there's this man there. He's he's gray-haired and he is about as old as dirt. And I can say that because he's so much fun. He's my friend. That man's name is Larry Myers, and he's been a missionary in Mexico since Moses parted the Red Sea. I promise you, it seems like. This guy is is wild. I mean, he is crazy in love with investing in other people. Larry Myers is responsible for, for birthing hundreds of churches in Mexico. Loads of medical Facilities and orphanages and, and, and leading probably thousands upon ten thousands upon hundreds of thousands. There is no real way to keep count. The direct difference and the indirect difference this guy has had on the country of Mexico, I mean, most of us w- probably may not even achieve that in a lifetime, in ten lifetimes. He is always busy about building the kingdom of God, investing in people and it exudes from him. You ever met somebody like that? When you just meet them and you just walk up to them, they just exude Jesus. They exude the heartbeat of God. That's this man. And we sat around this table discussing the next generation and where church is headed and all these ideas and everything like that and everybody's got an opinion. And Larry Myers speaks up and he's got a Booming voice. It's like you're at Tinseltown Theater when this guy speaks. He's got a booming voice. Begins to go into this speech to tell us, pastors, to speak to every single one of these pastors and say, It's not about you. He said, It's not about you. It's about what God wants to do through you. And he said, I was, I was nothing. He said, I was nothing. And he described himself as a, as a broken old piece of PVC pipe from Louisiana. He said, I was nothing but a broken old piece of PVC pipe that God kicked around and picked up and started to f- form into shape and blew into my life and blew the crud out. And he said, and then God started to flow through me. And he said, we've seen hundreds of churches and we've seen thousands upon thousands of thousands of people born again and surgeries been done that weren't possible because I allowed God to form me and to shape me and to begin his, to write his story through me. He looked at us with authority and and with tears in his eyes and a conviction that burned in his heart. And he says you need to lead your church understanding that it's about other people. That it's not about you. That it's not about the success that you're going after. It's not about the treasures that you're building up on this earth that moth and rust will only destroy. That souls is the only currency in heaven. That people are the only thing that that you can absolutely bring with you to heaven that this life is not about you. And then it is time that we have a conviction and a passion and it burns in our heart that with every decision that we make, with every choice that we encounter, that we consider, okay, is this about God being a part of my story? Or is this about me being a part of His? Who is this really for? Living a life that Jesus modeled, making himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant. I don't know about you, but I kind of want to be like Jesus. And Jesus was an investor in people. And Jesus was only interested in the story that his father was going to flow through him. Let's pray today. Father Lord we love you so much God and we thank you that we thank you that this passage has been preserved